I've had some crazy days and it's just getting to a point where it's lightening up to the place where I want it to be. But I, I always go to bed happy. I, you know, because I'm doing what I want to do. I'm sort of blissfully exhausted. I'm working with who I want to work with. And, you know, I'm spending my time the way I want to spend my time. So I'm fulfilled every day. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Krimitzos, and it is my pleasure to have this podcast for you so that you can hear the very real and authentic stories of super savvy businesswomen who are coming to you from all over the world in all sorts of different industries, sharing their stories and a lot of their strategies that they have used in building their businesses so that your business can be impacted by it. If you love these stories and you want to make sure that you stay connected to not only them, but also everything that's going on within the Biz Women Rock community, make sure you go opt in at bizwomenrock.com. Courtney Fighter is my guest today, and the theme of this entire conversation is lifestyle design. And I say that because from the outside, Courtney might be seen as somebody who's a little frazzed because she has three different businesses and they're all very different. But let me assure you, she is anything but. She is very clear on who she is, what she wants her life to look like, and each of these businesses are uh, really great extensions of her interests. So um, during this interview, we really go into uh, the, the evolution of the very first business that she started why bigger is not better. And what that means is so many times we are all so focused on getting bigger, bigger, bigger as a business. And she has a really interesting story of how her business got so big that it was actually um, not in line with what she wanted. So she uh, made it smaller. That is a really great little story that she has. And we also go into um, how she brands one of her businesses. Um, She is a branding genius and different ways that she has used to brand her business well. And, um, And she gives some great advice at the very end. I ask her what advice she has for entrepreneurs, and she has fantastic advice towards the latter part of this conversation, okay? Courtney, what is going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited that you're here. So, uh, <laughs> so much of this conversation is really going to revolve around the fact that you have a couple different businesses and you have such a really organic story about how they all really connect and how, you know, you're really, uh, they're all very, very different, but you actually have, you know, kind of one big life goal with them all. And and I don't find that very often. Most women, if they have multiple businesses, they're sort of like scattered in multiple places. But so we're going to really get into that. But it, it drives home the point that you are a very like organic sort of, you know, um, fulfilled, you know, you kind of have multiple interests and you're fulfilled in all of these different interests and very true to yourself is what my gathering was from all of my um, my research on you. So the most interesting thing that I want to start off with is the fact that you raise chickens. So let's go with the most important. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> How long have you been raising chickens? I just find that so fascinating. Yeah. Well, we just decided a few years ago we really wanted eggs, fresh eggs. So we started out with uh, four chickens that we just got as, you know, like grown up in somebody's classroom, you know, some elementary school classroom. I think we actually had six at one point and a whole, all but 
sisters. So we didn't have a big enough property. Had to get rid of those and only keep the one girl and then add some new girls to the flock. And then we're now up to seven adults and we're raising five babies right now um, who should be laying by August. But we just, it's purely for us to have eggs. That is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice. So, um, so this really falls into the the fact that you are very natural. And that's going to be obvious when we talk about some of your businesses. But um, I want to talk about the business that you've had the longest Adrian and Sabine. Mm-hmm. Um, how how did you even get started there? Like were had you been entrepreneurial before that? Like what was the scenario for you to start Adrian and Sabine? I have been entrepreneurial since I was about two. I literally, that little child that was like mashing up strawberries and mixing sugar in and trying to sell it to the neighbors. Um, I was the kid that had the lemonade stand that I parked in front of the bus stop so that I would get the most customers. You know, it's, I, I, yeah, this has been in my nature forever from the beginning. So, um, and even when I had business to start out corporate marketing and even when I was there and in agencies working for other people more often than not I was moving through jobs very quickly and getting promoted but I was hitting the ceiling pretty often and um, or just kind of stretching the boundaries of what the business was prepared to do and uh, I had a lot of people in my personal life just saying hey do you think you might want to start your own business and I was I was kind of afraid of it for a while but eventually I just decided it was it was time and it was partially a choice of being ready to start a family too. Um, I wanted to have some flexibility when I had kids and uh, not necessarily, you know, have to put them in full-time care and that kind of thing. So I never stopped working, but I did um, flex my schedule in all kinds of crazy creative ways around kids too. So those were some of the drivers. I mean, a lot of it was lifestyle and family. And then I just really wanted to be able to fly as high as I wanted to fly and not um, be restrained by somebody else's business plan. So that was a, the biggest part of it. Got it. So what was it um, that made you finally kind of made that make that jump and say, I'm starting this company? And how did you decide that Adrian and Sabine was going to be the company? Um, well, it was kind of interesting. I was working for an agency at the time and I was primarily working on high tech work. And I just was doing because it was a corporation where we just had a lot of standards, um, not the agency, but the, the client, you know, the creative was pretty limited. I mean, there were only so many things we could do and so many ways we could look at it. And my ability to grow within that agency was also limited. So I was just ready to just kind of be the boss. And I went out thinking I was going to be a consultant and I started Adrian and Sabine with the mission of matching business with creativity, thinking I would help corporations be more creative and creative people be more businesslike because I am also a fine artist. So I was like, all right, I can think like these people and I could think like these people and I can bring them together. And that's sort of been my role at the agency. I was always in account services, you know, helping bridge between the client and creative team. Um, I also wanted to have more input on the creative because I am an artist and I do have that mindset and that sort of skill set, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, and that wasn't, that's not super palatable in a traditional agency model. It just isn't, you know, you're kind of one role or the other, you're not really in the middle. So I I made some choices around those things. And I really thought I was going to be a consultant. And then I started in late 2007 and officially began January 1st, 2008. And we all know what happened in 2008. So um, basically it was actually sort of crazy and wonderful timing uh, because people were getting into a place where they really couldn't afford a large large agency and they needed pretty high level strategic help. And so I, I had kind of a windfall of clients pretty quickly. 
How how did you get those clients? Like, were these people who you had already worked with in the past from your past agencies, or were there specific ways that you were putting yourself out there and finding these people? You know, that's another thing that's just sort of in my nature, and it's probably the only thing that's let me do all the things that I have done and am doing, and that is um, just being sort of a natural networker and naturally business development. And I had done that a lot in my other careers, um, finding new jobs. And there were different points where I worked as a, I worked as a consultant off and on from about 25 on. Uh, but, you know, that was probably the biggest driver. I, I did keep some relationships with previous clients, but there wasn't a natural transition to bring a corporate account in-house because there's so many layers and red tape and you have to be an established agency. There wasn't a natural transition to do that. I did form a relationship with a bigger agency and got quite a lot of referral business initially from them. And that was huge. So, you know, a lot, it was huge, really the base of my com- all my companies is relationships and referrals and networking. Well, so um, I had read that you, you know, a few of your clients have been like Hewlett Packard, Merrill Lynch, Microsoft, you've had some pretty significant clients. Mm -hmm. What, um, like networking, you know, and kind of building relationships, that's beautiful. But like, specifically, how did those clients come about? Like, how did you did were you out and just sort of like friends of friends ended up referring you in or you Mm -hmm. knew somebody there? or How did that work? Hewlett Packard had been my biggest high tech client for other agencies in the past. And so I did have some existing relationships there and they resurfaced with another partner essentially. So a partner was doing some event logistics stuff and I got to do all the brand and um, sort of agency work on on that project. And that happened to be a project uh, for Sundance Film Festival. And so we did that for three years. So that was great. I actually got to meet Oprah during that time. Um, And then um, she's actually very nice. Um, And then and um, not that that's a surprise because it's not. Um, <laughs> then, um, uh, and then, you know, like Merrill Lynch, you know, I, st- I started with the local branch and happened to have a relationship with the local branch manager. And then, you know, there's conversations parlaying into the bigger picture with them. But a lot of it started quite, you know, close in my local community or in my network of relationships. Probably the biggest thing I did early in my career, and it was early in the, the um, days of this too, is I started a LinkedIn account really, really early on. And so I was really lucky to develop a LinkedIn account. Um, I captured a lot of my HP contacts and contacts of theirs right away before I even left the agency I was in. And then the credibility of those level of contacts let other people that I randomly reach out to now, now I can reach out to a lot of people on LinkedIn and get a yes, even if I've never met them. So LinkedIn, I find to be a hugely positive tool. How do you come, just a random question, but like how do you over all these years, how have you converted like, okay, we have this connection now on LinkedIn. How has that converted into clients for you? It really depends on the person. Um, You know, I kind of have to establish if, are they a client? Are they an influencer? Some of it's just figuring out where they fit into the process. Um, But what I've noticed is the best sort of business development strategy for me, at least, is not necessarily selling, but just forming a relationship and also offering whatever I can offer them, you know, that being a huge part of it saying, what can I do for you? Um, you know, I'd love to, 
network and help each other. And really that's where a lot has come out is other businesses who have relationships I'd like to have as well or uh, just getting into those networking opportunities where we're helping each other and where uh, we're supporting each other as small businesses. Uh, I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So over the course of, uh, you know, these eight years, eight and a half years that Adrian and Sabine have been around, it grew, it has grown to a pretty sizable, you know, company and agency. And, um, you know, you had a handful of people working for you. You made a decision this past year that was a significant shift for you. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, when I started the agency, I was completely virtual. I would just hire contract teams for what I needed, web development, copywriting, whatever. And I would be strategy and creative direction and I would bring in the business development. So I've had plenty of hats, but, um, I would outsource all those pieces. And then I did over the course of the years have, you know, people on staff and I found myself last spring in a place where things was building and I was actually in particular taking on a lot of new events and I love that space but I also was finding I'm spending a lot more time and energy managing other people's needs and processes be it client or staff or a combination of or even just logistics like accounting and everything else and not necessarily seeing net results for myself and my family was a little more strained with it and I was working more but I wasn't bringing home more so I just needed to make some choices and I essentially decided to reduce my overhead, um, get rid of my brick and mortar space, uh, move into a home-based office space and really focus on consulting and actually only keep a couple of my core Adrian and Sabine clients, which in my local community wasn't a hugely popular choice. People largely thought I was kind of, you know, crazy because my business was gaining speed and all of a sudden I kind of put the brakes on and took a different direction. But you sound very happy. That's the difference. I am happy. <laughs> I am. And you know, I'm calm because I really think there's a lot to be said for keeping finances in check because there's so much stress that comes with just having bleeding capital. Yeah. And well- yeah. I think that there's um, there's a lot of courage in the decision that you made because I think that we all as businesswomen sort of feel like, okay, growth, 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 growth. Right. I mean, we're con- bigger is always better. Bigger is always better. And that's not always the case. And, um, you know, when you – and this is why I kind of gave you this introduction, which is you're very – even though you have multiple businesses and multiple interests and lots of things going on, you're very clear about who you are and what you want and what's right for your life. And this right. is one really great example of, of you doing that. So, um, so did you – as you kind of transition that – You've now kind of pulled back and now you pretty much have all like virtual people all over again and right. um, and are putting a lot more of your time into the REN method. Is that right? That is right. So I'm doing a couple of pieces that I still work on with teams because I have a couple of established events that are doing really well and one core client I keep and take care of. But overall, um, I'm focusing more on helping businesses be more strategic and focused on certain primarily women, millennials, and creatives. And that's more of, I, I've actually done that through the whole course of Adrian and Sabine. This is just sort of um, the unifying factor. And now I'm doing it on a, on a consulting basis and taking it more national. So talk a little bit about the Red Method. This is the name of your consulting firm. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about, um, you know, you kind of extracting all of the stuff that you had been doing all these years and why you decided to kind of branch out and really establish something different. Um, well, I just kind of chose the, the, the layers of what was best about what I had been doing. Uh, I found that people wanted very high touch attention. They needed strategy and they needed some creativity. And I found this niche because, you know, I'm really, 
I'm kind of right in the center of the the female audience. I'm you know, a mother of two daughters. I'm an urban homesteader. I'm I, I make retail products. I'm a fine artist. I'm kind of this cross section of this audience people are trying to reach in women. And I've been you know catering to that with my branding firm for ten years as well, with you know some audience segmentation. And then also with I, even though I'm not a millennial, I'm kind of on the edge and I'm definitely a millennial thinker. So, you know, that entrepreneurial sense. And then on the creative level, I'm um, the three, I've identified three types of creatives and I'm all three. I'm, I'm the inventor, I'm the entrepreneur and I'm the, um, which one did I leave out? Inventor, <laughs> entrepreneur and the, um, I'm totally forgetting what the last one, artist. So I was going to say, know, we'll call you the painter because yeah. I know you paint. Yes, exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. So the point being there, um, I, I think that, you know, we're coming into a space where people are dealing with communication differently. People really need community. People want a conversation and they want to connect with certain audiences. And the REN method really caters to helping them reach those targets or actually just reinvent their thinking around um, focusing on a new way of addressing strategy. So I'm working strategically with some nonprofit organizations and different, you know, just looking at their culture and their process and saying, okay, what have we been doing? And wait, who do we need to talk to now, even as a business? Right. Or even, you know, retaining employees internally. So Run Method reaches a lot further, I guess, than just doing sort of one-off agency work. And that was, had gotten to a point where I had sort of done that to the best of my abilities. And this is definitely a fresh challenge. So it, it takes that strategic thing I'd been doing with my clients in the past up a big notch and also lets me work with the big businesses I had been working with, but on a more national level. And so I'm going out and I did a launch in Seattle in February. I'm going to do some work in New York in May and I'll be in Portland for World Domination Summit in July. Um, so, you know, I've, I've got some space on the calendar where I'm, I'm getting out in the world and, and letting, you know, it's broadening, which is great and right. it feels really good. That's awesome. And I was just going to ask you like what, like, where are you online right now in in relation to the Ren method? Um, because I mean, you your expertise is so you know profound in the area of branding and getting yourself out there and really helping your clients do that. So um, you know, what do you what do you see? And and the Ren method is only I think over a little a little over a year old, maybe two years old. So like you know, you're fairly you're fairly new and kind of getting out there. What mm-hmm. what methods? either are you wanting to use that you know that, uh, that are going to be successful or that you have already seen that have been successful to really brand yourself and establish the REN method as a brand? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, ever I think this is true across all businesses, but I had to develop a really strong, um, well, number one, I had to develop a really strong relationship with myself, kind of go, okay, what is it I'm trying to communicate? Be very clear, be very focused, and then make a choice about how that was going to have a good impact and a lasting impact and pick something sustainable, you know. Um, Then the next layer was just developing really good content and I'm still in that layer heavily. Uh, I've got a good handle on my website uh, and I know you guys post links to those. Mm -hmm. Um, I also am on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram and I spend probably most time on Twitter out of all three of those Um, but I seed content to all my social outlets on a daily basis. So I think that's really important as well. Um, I'm also trying to blog as much as possible, but that's in balance with also writing articles that I can push out through PR and media. And that's really big as well, just developing some thought leadership and having people start to see me 
more in Google searches and things like that. Um, so that's a big part of it too. And the next layer, more than likely, after all these national stops, and um, probably there's two steps to it. One, I'll probably start doing some events, either for kind of a group of business people that can sort of pay for a seat on a given day. Or I'd like to do some focused events just for women to kind of do more like a weekend retreat kind of feeling and keep it very intimate, but dig very deep into what I can do to help them as well. Mm. Um, So that's a big part of it. And then the next layer is really, I I really am starting the pieces of writing a book. Love it. And I think that's important. Yeah. Um, I want to jump into your third business, Fig and Honey, because that's something that you started (laughs) about two years ago, right? Was that was that the one that was about two years old? Yes. Okay. That's gotcha. Correct. So, yeah. why th- explain what Fig and Honey is? And you're going to hear that this is just so not what you've just talked about this entire time. So, yeah. explain what it is and why you decided to start that business. So again, um, it is still from the same. You know, like you said, there is a thread. Uh, the thread is really lifestyle and consumer engagement. And I started out in corporate marketing, but after corporate marketing and in between that and agency, I moved to selling wine for a wine distributor. And I'd been in fine dining, you know, in college or whatever, uh, working in that space. So a few years, well, 10 years or so ago, I actually went to massage therapy school while I was working for a high tech client. And I studied aromatherapy and food therapy extensively. And it was really for personal development primarily. Um, But I did have a practice for a while. And I started making body care products for myself and my family. And then a few years ago, we went on a trip to Italy to see our best friend get married. And we ended up at this organic winery that had this spa that from the winemaking process as part of the spa treatments. And I thought that was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. So I came home and immediately started applying that concept to everything I was making and Fig and Honey was born. So the base of all the products I make is one of two bases. One is um, olive oil with a hops infusion and the other is grapeseed oil with um, the grape seeds and skins right off the wine press when it's really open and all the nutrients are coming out. Oh, wow. And I, I make a solar infusion and then that's the base oil. And then I make makeup, lip balm, hand salve. And a lot of it was defensive because I have very sensitive skin. And so for myself and my two girls, um, I was making a lot of those products for myself or family friends just because people needed it. Um, and then a bunch of friends were kind of like, why don't you sell this? And so I kind of went out to a holiday market several years ago and I sold out for three days and I was like, okay, there's something to this. (laughs) Um, so I'm actually, my, my personal focus, Adrian and Sabine continues to have projects and I'm, I'm able to automate parts of that, which is great. And I'm getting to a place where I can actually put a couple of my biggest projects on in other people's hands in the next couple of years. And barely touch them, just high-level management. Um, Ren Method is essentially all me because it's public speaking and it's one-on-one work and it's uh, really classroom-oriented stuff and it's really my heart space and my highest space. And then when I'm home from Ren Method, um, Fig and Honey, I get to make with my kids and I sell in my community and um, I'm actually working on some crowdfunding uh, to try to probably this summer launch a crowdfunding program to put some capital behind Fig and Honey. That is so cool. Hey, if you happen to make like a uh, stretch mark cream for pregnant women. I have women, a salve. I do have a salve. Come it's on. Butter, butter. I'll have to send you some. You'll have nice. to send me your address. I'll send you some. My husband. Uh, uh, so at this moment in time, it's like April 16th, 2015. And I'm 16 weeks pregnant. And my husband's like, Katie, I think it's about time that you start using something. I'm like, I know <laughs> I need to get something. I just haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put it on before it starts to itch. I yeah. know. I know. 
That's so funny. Yeah, it helps. I'll I'll send you some. That's so cool. So um, and this is a question I want to ask because selling retail product, that's what you're, that you are creating, you know, awesome product for retail. That's an entirely different business model. So what, what has most surprised you about, um, you know, going into that particular space and selling these products online? Like, what are you finding that you're like, oh, I didn't even know that I would need to think about that. Or, oh, this strategy is something completely different than I would do for the run method. What kind of, what kind of things there are really surprising you? Well, it's actually probably just logistics. I mean, just, you know, really, I'm glad that it's not the first business I tried to start because um, I had the experience of working through several layers of, you know, starting Adrian and Sabine out of my own checkbook, whatever I had available capital wise, and then moving on from there to you know, develop processes and strategies. Um it's a lot of logistics with retail, you know, it's pick, pack and ship, it's fulfillment. Are you, do you have enough prepared when it starts to get popular? Are you putting it out to the right bloggers to test and sample and talk about and layers to it? And I've been introduced to some opportunities to really take it to a pretty extraordinary next level, but I'm going very slow because it's, I want to make sure that um, I don't burn the opportunity, essentially. I mean, it just, this is the one thing I have to be able to do really right. right. Uh, service-based business is just different. It's, you know, and so it, the the retail right is not only selling it correctly and marketing it correctly and having enough inventory, which is huge, but also the recipes being standardized mm-hmm. and making sure the standards are correct and they're labeled properly. And I've been pretty careful to make a lot of the ingredients very innocuous, but, you know, um, I, I'm really cautious and concerned always about running into somebody with an allergy or something like that. So, right. you know, just um, trying to, there's a lot more to think about, I, I think, on retail. But again, it's a it's something easy to buy. You know, it's like, oh, I love that lip balm. I'll buy 20 of them or I'll keep right. buying them. Or um, So once it's off the ground, I think that one will be the easiest to maintain once it's all organized and once it's just single. Um, whereas service-based business, you're always going back to the well. It's yeah. all intellectual property. I think retail is intellectual property too. I think, and I think that's the future, quite honestly. I think people who are really innovative and have incredible ideas and can put structure and return on investment to that will be the success stories. Mm. I love that. That's really, that's really interesting. What, um, you know, during this whole time, because what I'm gathering from this whole story is just this constant evolution, like constant evolution, con- like constantly trying something new. Con- I'm I'm interested in something completely different over here. Let's try it. Let's give it a whirl. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, like, I, but I, what I gather is that it's still consistent with the core of who you are and what works for you in your life and you make it that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, what, what challenges have you had throughout this evolution? Like what have been some really hard moments for you and how'd you get past them? Uh, There have been several, quite frankly, but I think that a couple of the low points really revolve around finances. I mean, one of them would have been definitely, I began Adrian and Sabine, and two weeks after I gave up my job, I found out I was having my first baby very unexpectedly, Um, and, you know, just still holding that together and having extra expenses come in for healthcare and things like that without income yet. And, you know, just getting through that stress and really just, I mean, 
picking yourself up off the ground every day and going, all right, I can do this, I can do this. You have to just have that inner voice that said, that just gets you through it all. And, you know, I think more recently I found that it's really, really critical to have outside business relationships with people that you can speak to and lean on and get mentorship from and give back to that aren't necessarily your family or your spouse or your, you know, best friends. Right. Because it, I think it really bleeds those relationships dry to put all that stress on them, particularly if it's your partner. Yeah. you know, whoever is sharing your finances yeah. Um, to say, oh, I had a crappy day uh, again. Here's everything that happened is really a lot for them. And so being able to sort of like separate those places in my life and of course, keep my husband up to date on everything, <laughs> not, you know, no secrets. It's we're a community property state here in Idaho. So he's a half owner, like it or not. But um, <laughs> I joke with them. I'm like, yeah, this is your business too. Uh, but, um, you know, shielding him from, all of the stress and being able to not carry that myself too. I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. I've also noticed that it feels really isolated sometimes when you're at your best, when things are going really, really well. Sometimes you're like, all right, what's next? And it's so much scarier to let that ball drop. Um, So, you know, just to have that support system or some kind of uh, piece that you can use to lean on outside professionals or find a coach or advisor, or somebody to help, even short term, just to develop a strategy and say, okay, here, when that time comes, be it the low point or actually the high point that feels low, yeah. how am I going to get through and be sane, you know, and, and also continue to maintain personal goals. I have seen so many clients come through Adrian and Sabine that have been like, make me a logo. Wait a minute. Do you have a business plan? Do you have a name? Do you know who's going to fulfill this product when it's ready? I mean, you really need to take like 45 steps back. (laughs) Um, So that's where Ren Method was really born, was seeing enough of those stories that I went, all right, people need strategy first, you know, and they need a connection to how they live and figuring out just really how to fulfill their life through their work and not have their work be their life. Courtney, what really what keeps you moving on all of this? Like what really continues to light that fire in with you, within you in all of these spaces? You know, I think just the autonomy that I have is huge for my personality. And I actually took the time during this big transition this last year to slow down and take a behavioral assessment and figure out kind of from a purely scientific perspective, how I operate best and what I need to do more of, what I need to do less of, where I need to put my time. And that was big and very liberating too, just to say, all right, some of this is what I want and some of this is what I genuinely need to do for my nature. Um, But I think just autonomous and being able to pivot when I want to, um, and obviously I've done a lot of pivoting, (laughs) but just to say, you know, all right, this is great, but I would rather go this direction. So I'm going to gear up for that, but it's a one to two year strategy and not to rush into it, but to know it's on the horizon. I have worked exhausting days, um, you know, frequently in this business. And even during this transition, when I've toned down a lot of my overhead, I've had some crazy days and it's just getting to a point where it's lightening up to the place where I want it to be. But I, I always go to bed happy. I, you know, because I'm doing what I want to do. I'm sort of blissfully exhausted. I'm working with who I want to work with and, you know, I'm spending my time the way I want to spend my time. So I'm fulfilled every day. Um, so, you know, I really have the energy to wake up and do it all over again. And honestly, when I don't, it's really time to just take a down day. It's relatively rare, um, now, but 
And I take a lot less down days now than I did when I worked for other people. I was much more emotionally exhausted working for others. And so I think a lot of it's just identifying your nature. Do you work best in this environment or this environment? And really just going with that and being able to educate your family and your friends and your community on your needs and saying, you know, here's what I need to be happy and let me help you do what you need to be happy too. Right. I love that. All right, to end this conversation, I want to end with this cool question. What is one piece of advice, just one, that you would give to an entrepreneur who's in the first couple of years of her business? Oh, let's see. That's a tricky. I honestly, it's probably around that, you know, work your business around your life, not your life around your business. Um, you know, figure out what it is you want to be, like what's the dream space? Find the dream space and then work backwards strategically and put some true measurable goals to that. And then just, just one day at a time, like one minute at a time, yeah. you know, just <laughs> don't, don't try to understand how you're going to feel in five years. Don't try to get ahead of yourself and also don't feel competitive because honestly, no one else does it the way you do. You know, it, even if it's the same business, you're still going to do it differently. You still have differentiators. So I think if you can sort of call out that creativity and figure out where your heart space is and work out from there, that you're not really going to have any competition truly. Yeah, I love that. I can't think of a better way to end this conversation. Courtney, I want to thank you so much for sharing so much about your journey. Um, big congratulations to you. And uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting some uh, I'm belly cream, man. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Courtney, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Bizwomenrock.com forward slash 193 is where you're going to find the show notes, uh, which will include all the direct links to Courtney's sites, um, as well as some really cool quotes that I took out of this conversation, which were really cool and inspiring. Um, so overall, just the coolest little nugget that I got was the fact that she did a whole assessment of herself uh, last year when she was kind of going through a hard time just to make sure that she was very clear and had like a, 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 um, a framework to really assess herself and what her true passions really were, where she needed to spend her time and kind of get like uh, this outside, as she said, scientific view over what was going on in her life. And I just think that that really uh, speaks to the entire theme of the interview, which was design your life first and then figure out the business stuff. So uh, I really appreciated that. Hope you got a lot out of it. If you loved this conversation, you want to keep on hearing more, make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com, go opt in, and you will keep updated on all of these fantastic interviews. All right. I will see you on the next episode. (laughs) 